Welcome to the movie, musical movie marathon. Have you ever said that right yet? <laughs> I think once. Um, and today is a very strange day because we decided that we wanted to watch a movie in the afternoon. Three and hour movie. <laughs> it's really nice. We're really, it's really lovely to be able to have the time to watch a long movie during the day. That's something I've found. And what was your experience today of watching Fiddler on the Roof? Fiddler on the Roof. Loved it. Classic. I think this is a really important movie, not just um, for movie musical sake, but I think this is a cultural icon. I think this movie has reflected and uh, influenced um, not just popular culture, but um, a lot of culture. Something funny about the movie is that, well, interesting about the movie is that uh, the movie is based on events that could have happened in real history. And of course, my point is that the movie itself has become a piece of history simply by being so popular and for such a powerful story with such powerful music and done so well. Okay, what was your experience of watching the movie? <laughs> um, I have so much to say. I just absolutely loved this uh but the first time I watched it, I really didn't love it, you know? I think this is your experience as well, Dad, yeah. that while we were kids, we watched it, and it didn't resonate with us. It was too slow. It, the songs were fun, but there weren't, weren't enough, wasn't enough action, and the action that was taking place was all about relationships. And now being older, I can really appreciate those that, that relationship dynamic, the... The tension being based around um, who is going to marry who and, and the sympathy for this father who is just losing his daughters to men who he usually would not approve of, <laughs> especially as husbands for his daughters. Now, that being the centre of the film, I think almost as important, if not more so, is the um, setting of the film. The main thing I noticed this time was how important the culture was. And it's a Jewish culture, it's a very religious culture. And something I noticed was that a lot of the characters were all relating to God in different ways. And it's almost as if the story is about how their lives relate to God, um, which is quite a... Um, quite a concept to try to musicalize and it works really well i think that that's one of the things that musicals can do is and i wonder why we don't have kind of more prayers in song do you know any other kind of prayerful musicals yeah well barbara streisand's yentl obviously was was one in her famous song uh, about papa can you hear me or something mm. which okay it's not strictly a prayer to uh, god but yeah, there, there are some musicals which do invoke some prayers of different kinds. Now, this, this piece of history, it's got Tevyev Retevyev, played by Topol, who I think is, is still playing it on stage from memory. Done so well. Uh, and the whole movie, he's relating everything that happens to God. He's even um, taking time, freezing time at different points, so he can talk to God and, and talk to himself and think about how things are happening and, and what's going on processing if you like and he's got this sometimes irreverent relationship with god it's he's treating him like a buddy and like a papa really just his role and so the movie and the musical explores 
how he particularly, but everyone in this community, figures out how to relate to each other. The ways that they figured out have become traditions and uh, the new world is approaching. So it's set in uh, Russia, uh, in a village, a rural village, just before the revolutions of 1918-ish. Not an easy time for Jews in Russia with the pogroms. And that, of course, is part of the movie as well. So he's coping with this new, all this change that's happening in the 20th century. He's figuring out what he will accept and what he won't accept. He's figuring out what's more important to him, traditions or his family. And he's, most of the time he's going with family. Um, except when the, the family is actually going against his faith, which is interesting you know, that he makes that choice. And while it might not be everyone's choice, it's a choice that sustains him. It's, it's less about traditions we do because we've always done them and more about his identity and who he is. And his support, like God is his support throughout the whole thing. And so when that's challenged, he sticks with God because that's what he lean, who he leans on. Okay, I'll give you this. By the way, are you making my dinner or am I making my dinner? <laughs> or am I making your dinner? Uh, no, I was making your dinner. You want to put well, your toast down? Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you for making my dinner. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> yes, the piece of history that this is, is so it makes it such a unique musical. And I bet there's other musicals which have the same result but don't achieve it in the same way that this musical does. You cannot touch this musical. I don't think you can even touch this movie. And it's because it's such a, a piece that, it's a piece that relates so much to not only culture, but also religion. And so it's easy for any amateur group to do Les Mis, we just have to be French. But I, it's so hard, I think, for an amateur musical society to put on this musical because it's so Jewish. And if we were to make these jokes that they make during the musical, we would be insensitive because we're not Jewish. So that's my reading of it, uh, my modern reading of it anyway. So I've, I've seen it as a, a musical on stage when I was a boy. Um, I know that it's been put on stage locally five-ish years ago. So um, it's still being done. Um, it's sort of, it's understood that it's Jewish and that the players aren't Jewish. So we just go with, we do the best we can. We're not painting ourselves black or anything, but so we do the best we can. It's still a great musical. And, and I think, um, yes, powerful story. And we can talk about that a bit more. But at the moment, I just want to look at the music. Unbelievable music. I'm, I'm just amazed that I don't know anything else by these these, these songwriters, they're just fantastic. The songs aren't necessarily happy songs. There are definitely happy songs in it. But yeah, a lot of the songs are in a minor key. A lot of them have got to do with the challenges that people face. The song is their soliloquy and they're the thinking about things, tossing things up. There are definitely songs of celebration, muzzle tov and so on. And of course, there's some, what surprised me was some great dance, but I'll ask you what you think first about the music. I love the music, but I am struggling to remember any songs that are solely melancholy, apart from... No, no, all of them have some, at least a tinge of happiness in them. And the ones that are super introspective, introspective, are the kind of reprises of a song that was originally happy. Like, Tevye's, um 
soliloquies to himself as he's deciding whether to bless his daughter's marriages or not are reprises of this earlier song, Tradition. And that's a very fun song, it's the opening number. And so I think that all of these songs link themselves to something happy. Um, even the sad song of her, one of the daughters going on a train station and, and, and going on a train and leaving home um, has joy in it, though it is a sad-ish song. And, but what I loved is that all of these songs had a reason to be sung rather than just said. Uh, and they, that's one thing I really love about um, this development of scenes in musicals. People, these, these fantastic musicals that we're watching happen to know really well why a person breaks out into song. And it's great. It's, it's re- it works. Dancing-wise, is fantastic. I love the dance. What I love about it is that it was both Broadway-esque and very Jewish. And Jerome Robbins is the original choreographer. His choreography was adapted, but it was um, just fantastic and so entertaining. And even someone who doesn't enjoy um, musicals and a lot of dancing will love the dancing in this piece because it's so um, infectious. You're right, Dad, but it's, it's also um, cultural. So what you're watching is a slice of life. And as you're watching the slice of life, you are really captivated by every element of that, and especially the dancing, because that's so entertaining. I'd love to talk about the filming of it, if, you, yeah, if you're up to it. I, I don't have much to say about the dance, because I'm not a dancer. Um, just to say, I loved it. I loved the, the mix. Yes, it was stylized. Hey, it's a movie. You go, you know, that's how it is. Um, but, you know, just as much as there were some very um, cleverly choreographed and well-performed dancers, there's also just some straight-out fun dances. And I'm, again, I'm thinking of uh, the, the Taylor's dance after they've got blessed. <laughs> and he's just in euphoria. He's just going for it. And, uh, yeah, it's choreographed, but it's just simple and fun. Yeah, So it's good. I like it. Um, I was going to ask you about the film um, and how does... What do you think about the filmmaking elements of it? Well, the film obviously can do a lot more than the stage because it's mostly on location. And of course, stealing a bit of your thunder, it has some techniques like cutting away and comparing conversations that are taking place in two different places. And it can sort of go back and forth with that in the movie, which is not so easy on stage, although possible. I was really pleased that the filmmakers grounded it in location. When possibly they used sound stages, it was really well done, so you, the idea that it could have been on location still, still existed. And because of that, it was really important for the story that it was earthed as much in reality as possible, because it is such an earthy story, such a, an important story. Now, having seen this on stage, the time I saw it on stage, it was done in the round which was great because a bit like a three-ring circus, there's a lot happening. <laughs> and it just gave the, the cast uh, or the director more options to do things rather than, hey, we've only got one front on which you know, people can see uh, this, this play. The cinematography um, was amazing, especially for its time. Uh, it was experimental. It was bold, and the cinematographer deservedly won an Oscar for it. But seeing as the cinematography is not my major, <laughs> I'll pass it again to you. What do you think about that? 
absolutely beautiful. It was only stylized in the very typical 1960s colors that you see a lot of in West Side Story a couple of times. But the rest of the time, it was uh, very naturalistic. They used great lighting. And hey, Dad, how about we sit in the lounge because then I can put the microwave on. Yeah, but what I noticed about the cinematography was that it reminded me of Francis Ford Coppola, who is the director of The Godfather mm -hmm. and the director of a lot of other beautiful pieces like Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. So in that sense, it was very 70s. Coppola directed Apocalypse Now, I believe, as well. It was very 70s in that regard, and I loved it. And I could tell it drew inspiration from other excellent pieces of cinema from that same era from the 60s and but what i would love to discuss now is the influence that it has on culture i'll let you continue eating <laughs> but for i think that this musical has a lot of influence on other musicals or it you can see a lot of elements from other really popular musicals of this time in this musical and so it was a really great pick for this marathon because then we don't have to talk about sound of music or oliver or um west side story because we could see elements of those stories in this for example west side story is all about romances a romance that's not supposed to work out so is fiddler on the roof and another sense uh, in The Sound of Music is about this family drama set on the backdrop of a national crisis and crime against humanity and so is Fiddler on the Roof. And like Oliver, this movie is grounded in the reality of poor people's lives. It's a, an emphasized part of the story like it is in Oliver and it's about these people trying to survive and the complications that being poor has on your life are just like just like Oliver like West Side Story and that has made this movie one of the untouchable cultural icons of this era I think um, but the other thing that makes it so uh, untouchable I touched briefly on this before it's so Jewish and I think that you're able to have a reverence because of the religiosity of this culture you you have to have a certain reverence for even this musical and this movie, you know? It's like a reverence for the Holocaust. You, you can't make a comedy about the Holocaust. <laughs> In the same way, you can't take this movie unseriously. You, you have to take this movie seriously. Lots of social messages here. Um, obviously, coping with change, deciding values, which are more important. Relating to community, there's there's disagreement, there's uh, broken promises, there's you know forgiveness. Uh, that's not easy. There's definitely conflict. It's it's also just just because we've said it's all about relationships doesn't mean it's a chick flick by any means. And I hate just even saying that. And I think one of the reasons it does that is because it's so firmly rooted in the Jewish or a Jewish culture of that time in that place, which um, separated the 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 sexes. Um, quite a bit. So you had a lot of sh uh, scenes of men relating to men, a lot of scenes of women relating to women, um, and very. F there are some obviously of, of men relating to women as well, but uh, mo a lot of segregation in that sense. It's you know very much a man's movie, just as it's very much a woman's movie. So just because it's it's all about relationships doesn't mean it's all about love or a romance or things like that. It's it's really about a community.
And of course, as you heard me talking about Showboat, I love musical stories, movies about communities like Murs, Showboat, and this one, obviously. And I think one of the strengths of this movie is its definition. Because it's not in some milieu, it's not in some mixture of bits and pieces trying to find its way. It's about a definite people group in a definite place and time. I think that gives it strength. In the same way, West Side Story has that strength because you've got a clash of cultures there. To a certain extent, Greece is like that. I find that, um, you know, Fences is not a musical, but like the Suffragette movie, you've got stories about particular groups of people trying to relate to the world around them and each other at the same time. I think they can be done really well. And, and of course, Oliver is another example of that. And yeah, I, I like those stories. I like complex relationships. I like, I like complex, complex plots. And this, this one delivers. This you can watch on so many levels. You, you can just watch it and enjoy the story and enjoy the music and enjoy the cinematography and say, cool, that was a lovely three hours. And you can watch it and consider the deeper themes and consider the relationships and consider how it relates to the wider world and so on, what's happening in, in this piece of history. And, and even as I said earlier, consider this movie as a piece of history in itself. Yeah, I like what you're saying there. And um, the, the term thinking about groups, I'm starting to shy away from an ideology that uh, fixates on the power that different groups have. I, I don't quite like that. But in terms of getting a view in on people's lives, that's what I think movies are for. You know, what I love about movies is that you can really empathize with someone that you've never empathized with before. And you can see someone's pain and their joys. You can see why they would live in a particular way. And you can feel their losses and, and grieve with them. And I think that's such a human thing that movies are able to unlock within us. And I'm really grateful that Fiddler on the Roof has done that for this particular people group in this particular time. Now, it's not saying that the same struggle isn't repeated throughout history. But I do think that this is quite unique to this, this group at the same time. In saying that, this is extremely relevant for the 60s in itself. Um, there's a lot of protest happening, a lot of kind of cultural revolution happening. So to portray the making the, the Russian Revolution in that way is, is relevant. And also in the aftermath of the Holocaust and a lot of um, Jews coming to America and <coughs> settling and, and trying to remake their lives after the war and a lot of that culture coming through after they've gotten settled in the 40s and 50s and now in the 60s it's um, becoming more prominent it would be really relevant for this story to be told in america at, in the 60s in this time good spotting something to remember is that the refugees from europe who came to united states and other places even including new zealand after World War One, World Wars One and Two, they got on, and they generally they worked really hard, and they instilled this hardworking ethic into their children. And the '60s would have been the time when this movie would have spoken to the children of those mm. immigrants to remind them of their roots, commercially tap into that <laughs> demographic, <laughs> but also to you know to keep their story fresh, to remind people about okay, this wasn't about World War Two, but it's a similar you know mm. period. Now, of course, these things are happening today. 
um, in the 1950s and 60s, we, we had an urban shift in New Zealand for, for Māori from rural to urban societies. So while there wasn't a pogrom in that time, there were earlier times, you know, this, this story could have related to them then, uh, to us then. And then, of course, today there's, there's lots of, of persecution of whole people groups that are hanging out, obviously, and, and Yemen. This, yeah, it just goes on. Um, so this is still very much uh, a reminder of what it could be like for many peoples at different times and places around the world. So yeah, good good spotting about how important it was to make this movie in the 60s. So this movie was released in 1971, I believe, or either that or the mus- musical was written around then, but it's obviously a product of the 60s. And the other thing that it relates to in the 60s was the rejection of tradition. So you had a lot of kids who grew up in the 50s, in these 1950s households, and they went away from that and and the family unit was starting to be less common or to, it was starting to break down. Um, you'd have unconventional families and so you have a lot of parents who are trying to deal with that and trying to figure it out. Well, how do we live now that our children are marrying who they want and, and not you know, conforming to the expectations that we had when we were children um, or we were getting married? And so this movie would have not only spoken to um, the children, but also to the parents of the 60s. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was popular across generations. Maybe. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. If you've never watched this movie, uh, watch it, uh, put it away for six months or a year and watch it again. It's often better on the second viewing. Or if you've seen the stage play and you think, oh yeah, that... Well, they looked like they were having fun, and there were a lot of. There's a lot of comedy in this movie. It, you know, it's not all deep and serious. <laughs> Which, of course, is the beauty of of both the screenplay and the music, and how they're able to have this surface. Oh, that's what I want to talk to you about, Fiddler on the Roof. The idea that they're in a precarious position, like a fiddler on the roof, and they have to figure it out. They have to try and find a way of as they say in the movie, keeping balance. And for them, for uh, Teviev, the character Teviev, the father of this, this family, it was tradition. Well, he thought it was tradition. And some could conclude that in the end, actually it isn't tradition, it's family. It's the fact that they are a family and they care for each other and look out for each other and want the best for each other. That's one interpretation. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. So... Um, I'm going to ask you about this con- the concept of the fiddler on the roof. And also, I have this idea that only Tevyev saw the fiddler on the roof. The fiddler actually got off the roof and followed him a couple of times in the movie. Important times, when he was sad and he needed... And that's my point about the fiddler on the roof, that you've just got to get on and do the best you can and enjoy the life you can, even though it's precarious. Mm. I really like that interpretation that it's like his cheering upness would you like to make my eggs yeah <laughs> just just to no what i love about the fiddler on the roof idea is that it relates to musicals in that you're able to lose yourself or find relief from life in a musical and i had this experience when i was going through a hard time uh and then i watched mary poppins returns and i was like yes <laughs> there is happiness in the world <laughs> there is joy which was the message of Mary Poppins Returns, my dad says. And that was so wonderful for me. And I think musical theatre can be that for a lot of people. It can be this uplifting time in sorrow. And so a lot of musicals are like 
a fiddler on the roof, in that they come to you from the sky and <laughs> they cheer you up with a bit of song. I don't have more to say about the fiddler on the roof, but I have stuff to say about cinematography that I didn't oh, say earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mentioned this to you. I loved the two-dimensional plane. I loved when they filmed the actors on a location that m made it look like a... 2D picture or as if because it made you feel like you were watching a play or like a puppet show or something like that and it really suited the musical style and it, and the dancing style and it helped you get into that mode there's the famous picture of the fiddler on the roof in the sunset or the sunrise can't the silhouette that's famous. There's also this time when I think it's Teviev who is reflecting on the life that his his particularly his middle daughter who has married a non-Jew and, and he's reflecting on her life as as his daughter and the happiness that they have shared and there's this very colourful picture of them running up a hill and dancing on the top of this hill but you don't see that in 3D. I've got to add here, in um, yeah. that scene there was a grain to the image. They, they put a texture behind it as if it was a home movie. <laughs> wow. Wow. I wonder if that was just the cameras that they had. That's what I thought. <laughs> no, no, I, I think it was deliberate because it was nowhere else. It was deliberate because it was nowhere else. Wow. Um, no, but that, that's one example. And the one more example I'll give is when Teviev is, and the whole family is leaving their town at the very end of the musical and the fiddler on the roof comes and follows them. And so you see, it's like a silhouette again, but you do actually see the colour of the hill. And it's very grey and it's winter. And he's pulling his cart along the road and the fiddler is fiddling along behind him. And that's when, that's another point in time where it's filmed like Wes Anderson loves, like very perpendicular or parallel to the setting, you know? We're seeing them walk di uh, directly sideways rather than any depth at all. It's flat. And so I think that adds a level of dramaticness to it. He's pulling his cart, but the line between the ground, if you like, and the sky and the sort of 2D feel for it, that line is like um, two-thirds up. So most of the frames we're, we're watching, it's just ground. Mm. It's just, <laughs> and so you've got this sense of, of distance and, mm. and scale, and, mm. and they do that a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, and that's one thing that I noticed in the cinematography was that they really didn't use many close-ups, which is the overused thing in modern cinema is close-ups, but they used very few of them, and they used a lot of distant shots. Mm. Um, like that one, but also in places where you wouldn't expect a shot to be distant, it was. Because they wanted to show you the setting, they wanted to show you the world around the character that was imposing itself onto the character. They had a lot of crane shots, mm. tons of crane shots, and, um, and I think they used them really well. God's eye view, I think, they, yeah. they were. Um, sometime, it'd be interesting to pick this apart because it's such great Oscar-winning cinematography, but the... Sometimes Tevye's eyes were below the camera. Um, even though he was looking up and talking to God, his eyes were below the camera. And I'm not sure what that indicates, if it indicates that he's actually talking more about himself than he is talking to God. Or, um, and, but other times, you were looking directly at Tevye's face at his level, but his eyes were up, and so they were above the camera. Um, but on those times... It, we were watching it from his perspective rather than watching it from God's perspective. Sometimes. 
Sometimes we were and sometimes we weren't because he starts off narrating to us. Yes. Just breaks that wall right from the start. I love that. Yeah, that was great. That was a set of the scene. And he sort of did that all the way through. But often he would give a reaction to something that's happening or maybe the demands of his wife or something. And he'd just give this little look, this aside. This, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and while you could interpret that as, you know, uh, aside to the audience, it was actually an aside to God. Yeah. Um, and because of the camera angle, what you're saying, um, we could tell that it was to God because it'd be a slight looking up and oh dear and mm. a rolling of the eye, so to speak. Yeah. So um, they, the camera's uh, work was done really effectively. Really effectively. Um, the colour and the lighting was as well. The characterization, the acting was wonderful. Uh, I don't know if I have anything more to say about this musical apart from the fact that the style of the music was very Jewish and, and I really enjoyed that. A very dramatic style. Sometimes it sounds... It re sometimes it reminded me of Middle Eastern songs that I've heard. But other times it was very, very Western. And I quite liked that um, combination. Okay, so my final word is don't shy away from this movie. Um, I've said it's about a community, it's about relationships, it's, uh, and so on. Um, just because it's not a romantic comedy, <laughs> in some ways there is romance and there is comedy. It was quite funny, we were talking about the movie after we saw it, <laughs> immediately after we saw it, and David was saying, oh, it's not like other movies, you know? And I said, what? Doesn't follow tradition. <laughs> American Hollywood tradition. <laughs> it doesn't, so don't expect it to. Um, so when it, it might be a bit slow in parts, you think, oh, yeah, come, quite on, slow. come on, come on. And, and other times, um, you know, you appreciate the speed that it's working at. Mm. Just take it for what it, take it, for what it is um, and, and savour it. And as I say, you know, give it another go mm. a few months later. And that relates to the reverence. I think that that's one of the points that I wanted to say I didn't, that... It's slow, and a worse screenwriter would have made it a lot condensed. It would have put all of these things to happen within the same week. Whereas this movie didn't try to do that. It didn't try to give the thing a piece of, uh, of feeling of urgency or a feeling that everything was happening all at once uh, because it was trying to give us a slice of true life. Um, and I really appreciated that because it gave the events a particular weight that was not normally found in movies that have all of these events happening all at once. But I guess that what I um, love about this movie is that it tells a story that no one else can tell. It, it's a, it tells a very unique story and it helps us to relate to anyone going through any pain. <laughs> the songs are able to capture both joy and misery and I think that that's one of the plus sides of musicals as well, is that you can use music to your ad emotional advantage. I just think uh, for our listeners, in case you think, oh, I've never heard of Fiddler on the Roof, that's what a weird title, and you know, and it's all about this things that we've said. How would I know it? Okay, so some of the song titles are uh, Sunrise, Sunset, where different members of the community, um, particularly father and mother, but also others, <coughs> are singing about their attitudes to a wedding and what's happening. This little girl and boy that have grown up and are now marrying each other. We've got If I Was a Rich Man, which was um, quite fun. If I was a rich man, Yep, so you'll recognise that now. <laughs> An interesting point in the story. It comes just before Reteviev actually has to go and see a rich man about uh, marrying his daughter. So the life that he, he couldn't lead, and of course this is part of his prayer, you know, 
it'd be nice to be a rich man, thanks very much, could have been realised for his daughter. Some other famous songs. Matchmaker. Matchmaker, that's fine. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find, catch me a catch. So if you can imagine three <laughs> young girls singing that instead of a, a strapping young man, <laughs> um, then, um, yeah, you've got an idea of what that might be. So there's some good songs. You'll recognise some of them. There's some wonderful, wonderful acting. Yeah, it's, it's a piece that will draw you in slowly. If not the first time, but the second time you watch it, you'll appreciate it and enjoy it more. Okay, that's it from me. David's about to eat his omelette. He's got his parsley. Thank you for the parsley, Dad. <laughs> Thank you for my scrambled egg. So, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night.